0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Neon Talk, a podcast about innovation, motivation, and inspiration. I'm your host, Paige Hardy, and this is episode number 68. On today's episode, we are interviewing Isaiah Fortes Rose. He is a filmmaker, photographer, and all around awesome entrepreneur living in North Carolina at the time, kind of all around before we get into that, I want to get into some neon news. Today's news is pretty short, sweet, and simple. Last week, we had a live vibe episode. Now, we haven't had one of those in a really long time, let alone live. So, uh, let me know what you guys thought about that. Do you think we should always be keeping our our vibe episodes live, or do you want us to pre-record those as well? Do you like it that way? Let us know what you think. Curious. And aside from knowing what you think, uh, wanting to know what you think, uh, we're also have bookings open for April and May for Neon Talk. So if you're an entrepreneur, artist, or just have something cool to talk about, let us know, hit us up. Love to talk to you about getting you on an episode of Neon Talk. So to get into the meat and potatoes of today, like I said, here's an indie filmmaker, a photographer, an entrepreneur. He's traveled all around, and he's currently working on releasing a new indie film, This 2020. So please welcome Isaiah Fortes-Rose. <laughs> well, hi. Thanks for joining the podcast. I am really, really excited, actually, for this episode. It's really nice being able to, uh, to have people on here that, that I genuinely am friends with and have been around to see their craft grow and everything. So thanks for coming on.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, I'm
0: super excited. I know you've been working on a lot this year already and the last year things that have kind of flown into that. Um, but to start off, how was your New Year's? Did you do anything special?
1: Uh, New Year's pretty cool. Came back to um to Raleigh for a good bit and um after moving out here to Wilmington, I haven't been able to like really see as many people as I wanted to out there for a good like second. So just being able to see all like the creatives I know back around that section, all the friends and stuff along those lines, go out on the town, like Raleigh stood like, different little cities, so I love it out there, yeah, so that was my New Year's, just kind of spending the town in Raleigh.
0: Nice, very nice, I'm gonna do myself one favor here, I'm actually gonna turn my... There we go, now we're back, (laughs) I had to switch it over though, I didn't want this to be choppy, But uh, that's awesome. You know, I definitely, I I understand being able to just, like, travel out, at least outside your city for a little while during, you know, vacation, even if it's not that far. So, glad to hear you had a good New Year's.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was great. (laughs)
0: So you've got you know your one main company, Bad Meal Productions, and then you've got kind of like these little side hustles that you've been doing, this indie film and like photography. You do drone work and um, logo making and a bunch of different stuff. Um, when did you really start up Bad Meal Productions?
1: Bad Meal Productions started back when I was in um, high school, actually, and uh, it's funny the name kind of comes behind. Um, coming up with a name, I just wanted a company that was badass, and I wanted a way that I could market that in kind of a professional way, so Bad Mule was struck out of that, Um, and it was back when um, my mentors were kind of teaching me the ins and outs of digital media, and I was starting to really kind of get honed in on my craft and really knowing that this was like a field that I wanted to be a part of, Um, so around that time, I just decided to kind of go out and talk with people, network, and kind of. Make a name for myself, making all these different kinds of videos and creative content and stuff along those lines. So that's really where it came from.
0: Very cool. Um, so that's kind of where you know when the film and the photography came into play. It's kind of when you decided to take that plunge and and oh, do bad yeah. meal production.
1: Absolutely, because once um once I really started to know that uh video was kind of my specialty and that everything else inside of the digital media realm was kind of what I wanted to do and what I was like pretty good at. It was just from that point on, I was like, yeah, I definitely want a career, some form where I can kind of just be myself and kind of do me and navigate this, like in these different ways and different paths and meet new people and just go from there. Hell
0: yeah. So you also throughout your adventures of film, especially cinematography, you know, I noticed that you worked with WRAL, there for a little while between, um, being a cinematographer for them and then also doing freelance journalism. Um, how did that opportunity present itself?
1: It was networking is really king of like all of this stuff. It's like, who do you know? Back when I was, um, kind of getting my start out, I, on my own, I did like a lot of research for like how to edit and what were the different like techniques that went into things. And, um, like what one person's opinion on how to edit and how to make like an optimal flow versus like another person's was taking that and boiling it down and just being like prepared and after that just talking with as many people like selling yourself because you have to treat yourself as if you're a business Mm -hmm. um you put yourself out there you say what you're good at you talk with people you figure out what they're good at and you really just kind of bring empathy to the table um kind of care about what they're doing, and that makes people way more likely to care about what you're doing. And so from there, I had talked with a couple of people um, through clubs that were working for WRAL at the time, and they wanted to give these uh, students an opportunity. And they saw that I had more of a basis and a thorough understanding than a lot of other people around me. And they decided to offer me a job after I got out of high school to kind of like come work with them and do a bunch of different things. So that's really how that started off. And then from there, you kind of just snowball it and just keep on like one thing after the other, just trying to up yourself a little bit more and challenge yourself.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's really, really cool. Um, pause one second. Right. I'm going to have Vince edit this part out for a second. It's just my cat stuck in my room, and she won't stop meowing, and my dog's barking on the outside of the door now because she's here.
1: I love it. Keep it in. <laughs>
0: Knowing Vince, he's gonna completely keep it in, even though I said in the middle of the video, Vince, please edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: <Ten> um,
0: <laughs> Got to keep it. Got to keep it real, man.
1: Exactly. Uh, real life story right here.
0: <laughs> so, what would you say uh, working with WRAL and doing that independent journalism really like taught you? What was the biggest thing you took away from it?
1: Speed, honestly. Um, Cause that kind of uh speed and how to make sure like to look at a product and say like, this is good enough. This, this works, this is functioning. It's fine. You don't not wounding yourself trying to be a perfectionist because in that environment, um, the news, it turned out and it's a 24 seven news station, like 365, no breaks um, for holidays or anything along those lines. So you, have to get the story out. Like the producers gonna, are going to make a story, the anchor's going to read it, and you don't have the option to not have video when they call for it. So yeah. you'll have like these quick turnarounds and like these very special requests that people need um, where they're sending you all this stuff from different like places, like maybe like a a break-ins happening down the road or maybe like the helicopter is flying to a gas leak or something along those lines. Um, And you have to just funnel it down and make it to... Cut it to something that everyone can understand. And with that kind of like pressure and constraints and just being having to show it off to people, you have to do it quickly. um mm-hmm. You sometimes have to edit like 35 plus videos within an hour. I think 35 is light. Like, I think when I was there, we had like some days where we'd get up to like 50 different videos that we had to do before like, the news block came on. Um, right. And you just, you have to do it. So that was, that's the one thing that you take away from it. And once you're going that fast, you have to just realize, okay, I don't need it to be this special. I don't need it to be like this artsy or whatever like that. It's hurting for me getting the product that serves its function right now onto the screen. So I think that's really like the biggest skill that I got from there was adding fast and being able to remove yourself from what you find is your baby and being able to just be like, mm-hmm. I don't need to touch it anymore.
0: Yeah, no, and I'm sure that's a definitely a very uh, difficult thing to try to find that fine line of when being a creative and kind and first starting getting into that type of field of work that, you know, that real shit. <laughs> like yeah.
1: real shit. Yeah. One. It's one of the reasons why, like, you'll see uh director's cuts and stuff along those lines where it's like, it's not better because you giving yourself more time per se, isn't always like, or giving yourself more creative, like flexibility isn't necessarily the best route. Sometimes when you have those constraints on you or those time restrictions, you have to get more creative than what you thought originally is your like your perfect conception. So, it's just it's one of those things that kind of like sometimes you need space to remove yourself from a project, but sometimes you just need a deadline to kind of get you in there. 100%.
0: That's really cool. Um, well, I guess speaking about deadlines, you know, one thing that you've accomplished is you've had a lot of awards that you've accomplished within, you know, just the small years of you starting off film. I mean, um, first place in digital media for the Skills USA, second place in video for career safety, um, like the video contest, and so many more. Um, do you have any other plans to do any more competitions or is your career kind of just focused strictly down your independent path now?
1: Oh yeah, I'm always looking to do competitions because they're again, it's one of those things where it just um, fun, like it it hones your skills in in such a timed fashion. There was um, there's one we just recently did uh, I want to say it was a couple months back um, last year like uh during like the winter time where it was a 48 hour film festival. Um, mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool because they they give you your prompt right then and there. You get a team. You have your team together, and you just go out and you shoot that thing. Everybody, by the end of it, is super tired. It's, like, painful to watch. But, like, painful to watch you guys, like, edit it. But by the end of it, you have a product, and it's, like, you've made something. And a lot of times it's better than what a lot of other people will come out with, Um So that was, like, that was really great because, like, you're working with all these different people. They're bringing in their expertise. You're bringing in yours. Um, On that one, I was an editor, and I spent, like, the director had spent, like, his whole entire, like, couple days. He'd spent a day preparing and location scouting awake, and then the next day shooting, and he just stayed up that whole entire, like, 48 hours, came to me when Isaiah take the footage and then basically went to sleep and then I was there for like that whole entire night and I was hanging out with them like the day before watching them shoot and gathering information spent that whole night like building out a whole entire like sound hierarchy um editing the whole entire thing down director wakes up in the morning I go look at this and he goes yeah perfect I'm like okay cool and then I fall asleep (laughs) yo that's intense yeah it's like 48 hour film festivals are no job I'm always looking for a competition that like stretches me up until like the very end because that's where I feel like um you really figure out what you're capable of
0: hell yeah dude I'm gonna have to take some tips from your book I gotta <laughs> find some uh find some side competitions that's something that I want to get into myself yeah. very fun um speaking you know more about film I want to start talking about your personal indie film that you've been working on recently murder on the dance floor
1: yeah
0: um, it's a crime drama about a father uh, who's also a detective and trying to really find an equilibrium and balance in his life when his neighbor ends up being found dead at a local nightclub mm-hmm. uh, very cool concept you know the trailer's out there for anybody who does want to see it um uh, i'll talk about all those little links at the end but uh you know, I have also had the pleasure of being in a very small scene as an extra, um, uh, drug dealer. But Was I a drug dealer? No, I was picking up. I was picking up drugs from the from yeah. a drug house. That was fun. Um, and I didn't even really realize it was for this indie film. I thought it was just for a short film until I was watching the trailer and then I saw the house scene. I'm like, hey, hey, I'm in that. <laughs> I, I didn't see me, but I'm in that. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm really excited. It's um. It looks like it's coming along really really well Um, and this being kind of your first is this like your first full indie film that you've done at least like on this level
1: this is my first feature length and yeah on like this is my biggest project and my first like feature length film this one's caught ran us um like i took a good like most of my savings account that i had like saved up for on that one and just like threw it at this one. So, like, one of the highest budgets I've kind of worked with on this, um, even though it's indie, obviously, and still low, still one of, the, like, the biggest thing that I've, like, just thrown a bunch of resources at. So, yeah.
0: Very cool. Um, When did you, ex- like, when did you exactly, like, begin planning Murder on the Dance Floor, and how did the whole process
1: come along? Oh, uh, let's see here. What year would that have been? Um, 21 now, I'm 19. So, I, th- I was, I think it was, like, it was either... 2018 I want to say like in the summer um I started writing the script for it um just because I think I was talking with some friend of mine I was like I really want to make something oh I'm wrong actually what had happened was I was looking at like while I was still out of high school and I really wanted to get into the film scene I was like I want to get onto a film set and the Wilmington scene hadn't really started blowing up again um and I just like there was a close-knit community of indie filmmakers in Raleigh but I didn't like I was working with them and kind of making my way in there but I didn't have like a name for myself yet and I was just like I really need to get on a film set I need to find some way to kind of get that experience and feel that and I was having trouble finding anyone who had that kind of set experience that I wanted that um that was just readily available so at a point I kind of got um just took the initiative to myself I was like well I'm just going to I'm going to make one um and that was really where the concept kind of came from where it's like well if I just make kind of like a sizzle reel at first I was going to just shoot three days um and use it for like my demo reel and as a concept to make to get the film funded um mm-hmm. I figured if I did that then I would have set experience I'd meet people that knew what they were doing because I'd be paying like people I'd be able to Fizzle it down and that way it'll be easier to bring people towards me. And that's real, I, I figured from there, what, what resources do I have? The uh, nightclub that you've been to, Still Life, um, I knew some friends at the time who were working there. I hadn't yet started doing uh, promo videos for them. I said, well, that's a resource I have access to that maybe they could let me come and yep. use their like dance floor or whatever like that. And then I just kind of built a script around that. And then from there, everything kind of just like fell into place.
0: Very cool. And uh, quick sidebar: shout out Josh because he's actually the reason why we met.
1: Oh, uh, uh, that's right.
0: <laughs> from, from you know us being um, mutual downtown Raleigh photographers and videographers. <laughs> um, so yeah, shout out shout out Josh for that. But that that's cool. I didn't even know that you were incorporating uh, still life into well, hopefully still life into into this film. That's gonna be exciting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, So clearly a lot of planning has gone into this when it came to choosing your actors and actresses and the people that you wanted to actually play in your film. What would you say you were really like, like you had, did you have like a set mindset of how you wanted these roles played out? Or was it something where you kind of just, you got your, I got caught by the attention of, you know, these people and you wanted you said, yeah, I want them to play these roles.
1: How did that kind of happen? Yeah, it's kind of crazy because, um, I didn't really know, um, too horribly many, like, um, professional, like, actual people who are doing like this as, like, one of their either full-time or trying to make it into their full-time at the point when I wrote it. I knew a couple, yeah. of, like, pretty good people that I knew that I'd want to have inside of there, but, um, past that, I I wrote the script, so I had an idea of kind of, like, generally around what I was looking for, um, but I didn't know exactly who was going to play what. I didn't know where I was going to find them from. But the crazy thing is that uh, North Carolina is just kind of, it's such an, at some parts, an untapped well for talent. And in others, it is tapped. Like, there's there's so much diversity and, like, the creativity that happens around here that, like, it's very surprising to see just how much there is so um at a point I was talking with one of the uh filmmaking forums uh triangle filmmaking community and I sent out a casting call and I told him everything that I had wanted um and this lady named Teresa Jane she hit me up and told me that she had a casting agency in Raleigh, and she was like, you can come to my studio, and you can hold the auditions here and everything like that if you let me send some of my actors to kind of audition for you. I was like, bet, great. So she sent me, like, a whole, like, drove full of actors and stuff like that on top of um, a bunch of other actors from within the community also coming. And then from there, I just kind of like – we. We spent a long time, I think it was like from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. of just like auditions. And there's still even more that we like had to do afterwards. Um and then from that I just got to do my pick of the litter, I was like, that this person who came in and auditioned for me is that character. And I said, that's the one I want for my film.
0: That's really cool. Like it's it's really awesome also seeing, you know, how vast our film community is. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you saw on the podcast I did not too long ago with Ariana Tysinger um that she's also a local like actress as well and I you know it's kind of the same boat it was just as surprising where it's one of those things where Raleigh isn't exactly like a a musical theater like huge film type city but there definitely is a lot of hidden talent for sure um so it's really cool seeing like you know hearing how big of a a turnout you had in general for something in the local Raleigh area
1: absolutely Um, like even though I guess Raleigh isn't one of the um, like one of the big ones you necessarily think of for uh, like just the all around like kind of Hollywood style films and stuff like that. Kind of the very big budget type ordeal. That indie community there is like super strong. Tightly, like, there's a lot of people who are like making stuff out there. Like you, me, Josh, like a bunch of like like bunch of different content creators and people who want to just like be part of cool projects and make something that's like says something.
0: For sure. Um, So what would you say has been, like, the most difficult part about the whole process of creating Murder on the Dance Floor?
1: Oh, man. Um, Probably just, like, uh, the most difficult has to be, like, kind of coming up with ways to kind of negotiate with people in order to, like, get where you need to go. Like, there's been multiple times where I've had to, like, kind of, give my life story out to people to kind of get them to buy in, to allow me to do something, to say, like, maybe I didn't have, like, a permit or something along those lines to necessarily, like, get it done per se. Um, It's a lot of, like, wearing different hats. Because in the indie film community, um, you don't have the luxury necessarily to hire everybody that necessarily you'd want to to, in order to, like – keep the jobs like separate and keep everybody focused on individual tasks and get everything organized. Sometimes you have to get like nitty gritty with, um, how you come up with your solutions. So it's really just been wearing multiple different hats, um, in order to kind of like get this thing done. It's like, Oh, will this person over here, if I say like for still life, will if I do some promos for them for a good bit, will they allow me to come inside and shoot here? Or will this person there, if I like kind of, do some kind of commercial for them or say that I'll like help them out later down the road. Will this allow me them to kind of like work for free for a little bit, kind of like just managing the you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back type ordeals.
0: deals. 100%. You know, I definitely think that's a huge part too. And just like the art community, especially with stuff we do with film and, and other businesses as well. Kind of that whole trade work, type aspect but still in the general respects of promotion with each other very oh, yeah. cool um so what's your projected like what's your projected date that you want to try to have this film done by do you
1: um, think you're no, gonna we're, stick- we're hoping we're hoping that by like february we don't know exactly when in february but february is when we're hoping that we will have everything knocked out because at the moment the edits done uh most of our the effects are done um and we just have a few more that we have to iron out. on That it's really just like audio and color grading that's like really left left of the film. And even that's kind of a tall order. But we're like okay. grinding it out as much as we can, really, right now. And hopefully that'll be when like we can release this thing.
0: Hey, that's really exciting. So how long did it take you to like do all of the film itself, just the filming?
1: Oh man, the filming itself. Um, I want to say we true because that was the crazy thing. Like. With bigger, like, once you have kind of, like, a secured budget and stuff like that, you can quit your day job and you can kind of, like, go off and just make this. That's your full-time job for the rest of the thing. But, like, for me, I was the one who was funding it. And I was the one who, like, had was putting all the majority. Like, I was the producer. I was the writer. I was the editor. So I had to, um, I still had to work. I was working at WRAL while I was producing this. So we had to, um, kind of work around other people's schedules who are working because a lot of people on the film worked for free, um, And so we had to, like, kind of figure out how to navigate around them and then also how to navigate around my work schedule. So it really, all in all, I think we, like, took probably, yeah, it took us two years to film. Um, Wow. Yeah, a little under two years, I think. And then, um, but, like, all, maybe, like, all the shoots together were less than, like, three weeks, I want to say. Like, if if we put all of our dates together, like... So we could have shot it very quickly if it wasn't that we you have to do what you have to do in order to like get it done.
0: Yeah, 100%. So I mean, it's definitely been a long a long journey, but I'm super excited. Where do you have plans to uh have the release?
1: I definitely want we're going to try our best to do a festival run at first, um and we'll see where um, we'll be definitely be announcing on our social media pages and like through wherever we can like shouting off of the mountaintops like go look at our like product that we worked on so hard um we'll probably like we'll try to do the one in Wilmington for sure kookalorus we'll see if we can get in there um and from that point we'll just we're just going to try to go to as many places that will take us um and after that point maybe we'll think about going to Netflix maybe we'll think about just putting it on iTunes for rent um something along those lines
0: (laughs) oh that's so exciting Oh hell yeah, man. I'm super, I'm super happy for you. 2020 seems like it's going to be home, a lot of really good things. And hopefully I can, uh, if you make it out to Wilmington, hell, I'd be more than happy to come out to Wilmington um, to Go come check it. that out. Let me know. Um, so one serious question I got to ask you kind of, come, of, of away from your film, but still kind of in the film world. Do you feel like Filmmakers have responsibility to culture and do you feel like being that creative person, um, you kind of have an obligation to tell a story in a particular way and
1: why? Hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if you necessarily have an obligation to tell it in a particular way. I think you have an obligation to tell the story that you know, because if you don't know how a certain groups like story needs to be told it comes off like a lot of times is either cliched or stereotyped or something along those lines um especially if you're like in the writing community if you haven't done enough research to really understand where it's coming from i i strongly feel especially for new writers and even like experienced writers and directors that you have to tell what like kind of tugs on your heartstrings, what you know that you like your expression towards the world because as an artist um you're you're gonna say something no matter what like you can't not you can't put something out here without it making some kind of statement like either just in the subtext or if it's just like blaringly obvious that everything so I think I don't necessarily think there's there's a way that you're obligated to because you can say anything but I think that it's really like makes a better impact on your community and your culture if you express the story that you know like in your heart
0: very i like that i like that a lot um so one question i just wanted to kind of throw a good like a good film question in there um so one good question that I always ask all my all my interviewers um at the end of the podcast is to give a piece of advice that you would give someone who is in your career field in the film world what's one piece of advice you would give anybody who's trying to trying to get into this world
1: ah uh, I'd really just say like I, I'm gonna I'm a steal a little bit from my my college's like a uh, wording for their for their major just be omnivorous, like, take on, like, don't, don't settle for what's comfortable, don't do just one thing, try out a bunch of different stuff, because you can feel like you're gonna, you know exactly what you want to do, and stuff along those lines, and you could, you absolutely could, even to get to that point, there's, like, a thousand different, like, paths to navigate, and there's no right way in this industry, like, how to get there, and just really, like, do stuff, just, like, try stuff out, fail a bunch of times, like, the, the good point of, like, The thing about craft is that you have to learn how to do it. Like, and half of those lessons come from failure. Like, you can make a bad film. Oh, what happens? You've made a bad film. You want to get as much of those, like, kinks out before people really start knowing you and before the stakes get higher. So just, like, try things out. Try them for fun because then at some point you might not be able to. So that's really what I have to say to people. Just, like, do stuff. Do stuff. Just do stuff.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. Um, and then aside from that, other than Murder on the Dance Floor, do you have any fun projects or anything planned for 2020 that you can talk about?
1: Oh, let's see here. I can talk vaguely about them. Because um, I've got a bunch of scripts that I'm pitching to a few people right now that we're trying to kind of, and um, with a couple investors to get some like more budget money behind them, a uh, couple action drama type things um a few sci-fis where one's a short film um actually i think two of them are short films and one's a feature that we're writing as of now and kind of just trying to figure out how to play with it and toy around with those types of ordeals um there's a lot of just stuff kind of in the background right now that's kind of going so make sure to like follow like our social media my social media everything along those lines because we will definitely be announcing as soon as like that stuff drops it's just So much is to come in
0: 2020. Well, speaking of handles, uh, you know, you can go follow your your Bad Mule Productions on Instagram. And I believe you have Facebook, too. And then we've got Murder on the Dance Floor Film on Instagram. Uh, What are those other handles you want to shout out, if any?
1: Hmm. Let's see here. I guess what the other film ones are. All right. And then you can just follow my personal one, too, on Instagram, Isaiah Fort Rose. (laughs) Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah! Well, um, thanks again for coming on, man. This has been a blast. I'm really excited to maybe get you on here in a few more months once the uh the movie drops and the film drops. Super- I don't. love it. Hell yeah! We'll have to do it uh face to face next time. I know we uh we live in the same city, but we just didn't have time to to link up school oh, yeah.
1: work life. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I would love that. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah. Well, thanks again. I'm super, super excited uh, just to see all the fun stuff that you've got going on this year. So have a great rest of your day, hon.
1: Absolutely. You too. Bye.
0: (laughs) Thank you guys so much for watching another episode of Neon Talk. This has been an absolute blast. I got to learn so much about the film industry and what's coming up in Isaiah's world this year. So very, very excited, guys. Um, If you do want to hit us up and follow us, aside from Isaiah, you can go find us on Instagram and Facebook at Neon Black Clothing. You can also go follow me, your host, at Paige Hardy underscore or photography on Instagram. And aside from that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye!